Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Well, it is Friday, and that means we do a little something on the show here called the Brightest Conversation in Hamilton Radio. We have the Brightest Conversation in Hamilton Radio, and that means we need someone to converse with on all kinds of things, and uh, nobody better. One of our, uh, we like getting this guy in, but he's hard to get because he's a busy man. But uh, one of our favorites here to come in, Ron Foxcroft. Thanks for doing this. Scott. Local Mus- legend. Uh, I don't know about NCAA legend. NCAA legend. Uh, legend means I'm old. Trucking legend. <laughs> inventing legend. I don't know, whatever. It's a uh, legendary status right here. Thanks for doing this. You know, Scott, you just mentioned one thing about Scott, uh, Fox 40 being the sponsor. And I think in our sponsorship, I said to you, uh, we want to sponsor this and and not have any advertising. In, in other words, it would be sponsorship-free, brought to you by Fox 40. One of the things I want to rant about is on TV now. They have these string of commercials uh-huh. that go three minutes long. Yep. And it, sometimes and it al- more. Sometimes seems. more. And, and it almost seems longer than the segment. And I sat at the Super Bowl a number of years ago and I said to an executive from the NFL, do you watch all these games on TV? And he said, I don't watch any. He said, there's too many commercials. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. F- football. NFL football in particular. Love it. Love the game. But yeah. it is the worst. And especially oh. you don't notice it until you're in the stadium. Oh, and freezing to death, like in Buffalo. And how many breaks there are? Yeah. And you're and and they don't announce. Oh, we're in a TV timeout. You're just sitting there going, Why are we not playing here? Let's get it going. And it's TV timeouts. So when we decided to sponsor the uh, uh, Scott Radley show with millions listening, billions, all, uh, billions yeah. listening, we said it'll be. Message free. So our segment, if I understand it correctly, I don't want to say something that's incorrect, is message free. Is that correct, Scott? Well, until the first break. Till the first break. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, it is, but uh, it is something that drives you nuts, though, especially as I say down at, at football games. It is when you're not, if you're watching the TV, at least there's a commercial, you know what's going yeah, on, but you go down and it just stops. In my day of growing up, and I am older than you, uh, you would watch a half-hour TV show. My favorite TV show is Mr. Ed. Okay. And it would go for 14 minutes. There'd be a 60-second commercial, and they resumed the show with Mr. Ed, mm-hmm. the talking horse. Shall we and, sing the theme song? We could both oh, do it. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Wilbur. Yeah, a horse is a horse, of course. Of course. course. It's a little before my time, but I know the theme song. Yeah, and and I watched the Beverly Hillbillies, and and I Love Lucy, and and all those, you know, uh, they're not called sitcoms anymore, but they would go for 30 minutes with a 60-second commercial. Yeah. And and now uh, you have to tape what you're watching so that you can fast-forward through all the commercials, and that's a problem because— uh, life's too busy, and and sometimes if you tape it, you haven't got time, you know, unless you're sitting at home doing, and our, our buddy, uh, I want to say a shout-out to Glenn Grunwald. Glenn mm-hmm. Grunwald had shoulder surgery today. Oh. So he's sitting at home watching sitcoms, and and um, but I don't want him to get frustrated with all these three-minute commercials Plus, it's uh, you know part of it is that you got to have ads to sell so you can pay yeah. Shohei Otani and guys like that. When you're paying them seven hundred million bucks, you got to find a way to pay for that. You know that's insane, paying an athlete seven hundred million dollars. That's that's insane. It, it really is, but it's um, I don't like that because now Scott, you can't take your kid or your grandkid to a game. It's been all that way for a long time, though. It's been that way for, I mean, I, my dad used to take me every year to one Leaf game. This yep. was back in the yep. late seventies, eighties. Right. And what, and he had a friend who had season tickets. And so at the beginning of the year, he would choose a game and they were front row gold seats, not Ooh. on the rail, but in the Ooh. boxes, front row golds. And they were $35. Nice. That, that was the price back then for the nice. best seats in the building. Yeah. They were $35. And now I don't even... It's not thirty-five dollars. It's That's insane. Not, those seats are probably six, seven hundred dollars a game per seat. Yeah, yeah. I can't afford uh, that. Uh, no, and you know, Scott, I used to take Steve and Dave to the Blue Jay games and sit out in the bleachers for two bucks. The two dollars, yeah, two dollars. And the thirty-five games. cent hot dog and a, and a Coke was a dime. It was a best and, and the best memory. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, to pay 
somebody $700 million. There's nobody that I know uh, that can spend $700 million. I mean, yeah. and, and, but I'll tell you, all these uh, seats, I mean, if you go to a Leaf game, it's, it's in another stratosphere. Well, I have a friend who has season tickets to uh, Leafs and Jays, and every once in a while they will post on Facebook. I've got, you know, right. I'm not going to the game if you want to buy them. Yeah. And then I get to the cost of them at the end, and I'd love to go to a game. I'd love yes. to take my wife or my, my kids. But you know what? We also want to put food on the table that week. Well, that's true. You know, where I sit at the Raptor games. Uh, but you're working. I'm, I'm working. Yeah. I'm getting paid to sit courtside. The guy beside me is paying $2,500 for a ticket. So it's unbelievable. A pair of tickets is 5000 bucks. I'm not being critical of the Raptors no, that's or MLSE. That's, that's the way it is today. Go to and the Lakers game in the front row with Jack Nicholson. It's probably 10000 a ticket. Yes. It's, yes. it's, yeah. it's, it's hard. Earlier today, we got a note uh, sent out. Everyone got it. I mean, if you were following on Twitter or wherever else and following the city of Hamilton, you would have been able to access this, that the budget that we're going to hear for the, well, the tax increase and the budget talks are starting. Uh, you probably remember back in September, we had heard it was going to be 14.2% based on spending by the city. Well, they've adjusted that and it's now going to be less than that. It's now going to be 7.9%, not 14.2, but this is not due to enormous cuts of programs or things. This is by primarily dipping into, and that's probably an understatement, reserve accounts. This is reserves that have been tucked away for a rainy day that are going to be used to help ease what the budget increase, what the tax increase for your municipal taxes are going to be. Ron Foxcroft is in studio. And Ron, you've run businesses, not just a business, you've run businesses. Yep. Is this... Is this a wise, I mean, on the one hand, you can say hitting people with 14.2% was going to be crushing. On the other hand, you can say using up your reserves is not a wise idea. Is this a, is this a good move or is this a short-sighted move to try and just keep things tempered down for a year? This is exactly the reason why I'm not a politician. <laughs> because no matter what you do, you are going to tick off people. And, and you know, I... People in, in Hamilton City Council, they're passionate, they care, they've been elected to uh, because they, they, they love the city. And, and if I can just backtrack and say a little bit, Fluke Transport, we've been here 104 years and because we love Hamilton, we love the people of Hamilton. But quite frankly, we're one of the biggest taxpayers in this city and 7.9%. That's tough. It's still not that's, nothing. That's 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 tough. And and how we think we think in the private sector, I believe we think differently in the private sector than than they do in the public oh, 100%, 100%. sector. Hundred percent. Because um, uh, what what we do, what our customers tell us is, don't even come and talk to us if your increase this year exceeds CPI, mm-hmm. Consumer Price Index, and let's just say that's three percent. Because our customers, first of all, they want a reduction. And the way life is today, I've never seen life so difficult to live. Housing, groceries, medication, everything costs so much to drive a car, you know, whether it's an electric car. Uh, and I don't want to talk in circles. But I think the, the, the starting point here, and, and there are some really smart people at Hamilton City Hall. Mm-hmm. But I suggest this. The starting point is the taxpayers for the city of Hamilton, uh, the benchmark should be, okay, let's work and and let's study efficiencies that are going to hit the CPI index. So in other words, let's establish that the CPI index, consumer price index, is 3%. Okay, uh, we're not going to exceed that. And where are we going to find, like we do in the private sector, efficiencies to reach the max CPI because it's unacceptable to expect a customer, and taxpayers are customers, Mm -hmm. Scott, and and we have to keep 
our customers happy, to exceed consumer price index. And I think the consumer price index in our industry is 3.9. So 4%. Okay, let's go back uh, with all our brainy people and CPAs and lawyers and accountants and strategists and say, okay, what are we going to cut? What are we going to do? How are we going to get this to 4%? Because, Scott, it's tough to live today. It's really tough. Um, we bought Fluke 40 years ago. And quite frankly, post-COVID, this is the most difficult, challenging uh, time of the, 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 that I've ever been in my business career to run. And you know what's really upset me? I'm driving around town and I work in Hamilton and live in Burlington, the businesses that are closing, like if you try and hit these businesses, see what happened is they all got hit during COVID. Yep. Then they needed a bounce back mm-hmm. post-COVID. It hasn't come. It hasn't come. But you, you just said that people, um, the private sector... See the public sector sees things different. Oh, they the do. Private sector, and I believe that wholeheartedly. And I just yeah. this week we were talking about this. I was writing about this. It's in the paper yesterday or today. Yeah, it's online. That that uh, washroom that burned at Woodlands Park. We talked about this on the show. It, the damage there was estimated at $500,000 to rebuild. It is a brick, single story, not big building with toilets and sinks. And they're saying it's going to cost 500000 A smaller bathroom that the city built at Turner Park a number of years ago was 600. They're building one at Mountain Drive Park right now that's 1.2 million. And I can guarantee, and I'm not you, and I don't yeah. do what you do, but if some, if you said, I need to build an outdoor bathroom on my property, and it was going to be 25 by 15, yeah. and they said it's going to be $1.2 million, you would laugh them out of your office. No, with the utmost of respect, I'd say, uh, Scott, if you're going to charge me $500,000, you are insane, and I think I better book you at West 5th and Fennel for treatment and some medication. But the city, the way the procurement system works, yeah. this seems to be okay. This seems to be accepted. This is what we, this is just the way it is, and we have to do it. And even when you do lowest bidder, even the lowest bidder is coming in at these really high prices. It is absolutely, I believe, true that it's we, insanity. the private sector and public sector see it entirely differently. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how they see it, honestly, because like I say- It's not, uh, they uh, have no skin in the game. I, I, not, to be too, not to put too fine yeah, a point on it, but yeah. if you are in the public sector, yeah. it's not your money. It's, it's not your money. No. And I've said, and we've got to take a break, and we're going to come back with this, but I've said before, and we'll let you pick up on this thought when we come back. What would happen if every t- every tax increase, every time the budget came, we said, counselors, you're starting at your salary at $100,000 a year. Every percentage point of salary, of budget t- tax increase that you levy on the citizens, you lose a percent of your salary. Right. I bet you that we would get less tax increase Maybe only a percent or two, but I bet you would be less. Probably be because a CPI. There would be, because there would be skin in the game. And Ron, this, I know the mayor um, months ago said, you know, that reserves, maybe, you know, those are there for a rainy day and this mm-hmm. is that rainy day. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not going to disagree that with the way the economy is and everything, this is a rainy day. But what if there's another rainy day, not that far down the road, another recession or another pandemic. I mean, I'm always very uh, skittish about taking too much out of the reserves if it's not absolutely, maybe this is absolutely necessary, but I'm just, man, to me, I don't touch those unless it's absolutely essential. Well, how we think in the private sector is a lot different. Um, If if our goal is to reach, uh, and let's talk about this, CPI. Let's call it 4%. Yep, yep. And then we say to uh, our team at, at our company, um, our increase to our customers uh, cannot exceed 4%. Uh, go in that room with a coffee and don't come out until you find efficiencies Be a jury. and cuts. So... What I'm going to do is is go in there and I'm going to lock the door. And we'll unlock the door when you find enough cuts, efficiencies, whatever you want to call it, 
to get us down to CPI. That's how you think. Now, uh, let's, let's not interpret this that we're being critical of city council because, you know, the, the mayor has, has a very good point. The mayor is a wonderful person. The mayor's heart in this city is as big as this studio. So I don't want to sound like it's easy to be a critic. And, and you know, in politics, it's easy to um, be, be uh, in opposition. It's easy to be critical. It's very difficult to lead. It's a, it's a different skill. And the other thing that's, that's a problem with, with politics, some politicians, and we've got some outstanding politicians right here in Hamilton and Burlington. I mean, outstanding. I just got an email from an outstanding politician, a uh, federal politician, and, and uh, she's in, in Costa Rica, and she said, I am so proud. I'm a Canadian, and the uh, instructor of our kayak tour has a Fox 40 whistle with a Fox 40 lanyard, and and I said and and made in Canada. Yeah, there you, you go. That's you know, right. so it's easy to be a critic, and, and also there's a lot of politicians. There's some politicians, they um, they campaign meticulously. They're amazing at campaigning. They're amazing at being critics, but they're not so amazing at being leaders. Because when you're a leader, everyone's taking a shot at you. And I talked to a really good politician once. And he was in this city, and he said to me, you know, I got some support. I got a supporter that um, he had 50 decisions that I made that were, were, were popular to him. I made one decision against him that was good for the city, good mm-hmm. for the city. I lost him as a supporter. He never made another donation. He never. So I think what we got to do is say to our city People get into that room. We're locking the door. Here's some coffee. But see, Don, and Ron, I'm going to jump in for just one second because I think that's the missing part is that the people who run for office, nobody likes to make cuts. Nobody. No. It's, it's not popular to no. make cuts. You, no. win, you win votes by giving people stuff, not by giving taking candy. it away. You're Santa Claus. So we have a lot of people, and I'm not going to disagree that there are some good people who are in office yeah. at all different levels. But if you have chosen, no one's put a gun to your head to say run for office. You have chosen to take this on. Part of that responsibility to me is being responsible. And sometimes that means making unpopular or hard decisions. You can't always just be Santa Claus. Sometimes you have to be the Grinch. I'm glad you said that. I'm a, I'm a referee. And, and I remember one coach in particular uh, somewhere in the States and I must have done 50 of his games. And in one of his games, I made an incorrect call that cost him the game. Hmm. And I, I want to say at the outset, it was an incorrect call. And, and I had uh, lost my mind for the two seconds that it happened. That person uh, never talked to me again. Hmm. And I had done 50 of his games and done a pretty darn good job. But I had missed a call that cost him a game. And, you know, I compare it like this. Um, because I made a mistake or I was incompetent in that situation, I'm going to give you a, a comparison. Scott, uh, you're a pretty smart guy and you're a pretty good writer. But if I said to you, I want you driving a fluke truck mm-hmm. and you do a terrible job, um, which means you're incompetent at driving a fluke truck. It doesn't mean you're an incompetent journalist or a writer, but I shouldn't dislike you personally. I don't think, yeah, and you're it, right. It shouldn't be personal. I agree with that. I and agree. that's the problem with politics today. Partisan politics today are making me sick because we're taking these personal shots. And, you know, just before you, Scott Thompson was on, uh, with Sandy Shaw. And Sandy Shaw made a very good point. The problem with politics today, it's got personal. And whatever happened, and she made this really good reference, whatever happened to you and I having a robust disagreement? Agreed. And after that disagreement, we go out and we have a cup of coffee together and we don't call each other names. That's what's wrong. And, and, you know, being a municipal politician means that you can't always uh, do the right thing 
for the city and get reelected. And that's why the Board of Control back 40 years ago in Hamilton, the Board of Control was five people that was basically an executive council of city council. Now, remember, the city was a lot smaller there. They were um, uh, people that would come in after hours, make decisions, uh, make recommendations to city council uh, with no bearing whether they would get reelected or not because they didn't care. Mm -hmm. They all had other jobs. So they came in here making decisions that are good for the city. Sometimes you can make a decision that's good for the city that's unpopular and will not get you reelected. Therein lies a big problem. There's a lot. There's politicians out there, good, bad, and people that have given up. The bad, there's only a few, are in it for the wrong reason, to get reelected. And there's a, you know, I'm saying that, and, and you're going to get a lot of emails saying um, that uh, Ron Foxcroft doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, clearly, I'm going to be courageous and blame everything on you for inviting <laughs> me into the show. But it's a fact, Scott. There's bad, there's indifferent politicians, and there's good politicians, and I mean great politicians, most of which we have here in Hamilton and Burlington. But again, if you are getting into this business, and I don't disagree with what you've just said, but if you're getting into this business, I believe you have to acknowledge or you accept when you get this job that sometimes you're going to have to make unpopular decisions. If you can't say no, if you can't ever cut anything, if you can't ever find some way to say, I'm sorry, we can't do everything for everybody, then I don't think you're in the right line of work. You have to be in, we just talked about it, private sector. You yeah. have to make tough decisions yes. sometimes. You can't simply say, we'll just keep spending whatever we want. No. But you, in that case, as owner of a business, you have skin in the game. Yeah. It is essential to you, to your company's well-being that you do that. Politicians, unfortunately, do not have skin in the game, They, other than being elected, and the elected is giving stuff to people, not taking it away. You are a thousand percent correct, and it's easy to say yes. It's hard to 100%. say no. We get 15 requests a day for charitable donations. Easy to say yes. Very difficult. It, it takes courage and tact to say no. But if those people, how many do you say every day? 15, 15 a day. All right. If every one of them asks for $1,000. Yep. We're broke. Right? So we, you can't we, say yes to everybody. We say yes to everybody. And three months later, all my employees are unemployed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, there has to be the ability to make hard decisions that sometimes will not make you popular. That is yep. just, but uh, I, I, there's just a lot that I don't think want to do that. I've gone back and forth about whether term limits would be good or be bad. On the face of it, they would be good because you would say new ideas, fresh ideas, and you wouldn't necessarily have to do everything that people want because, again, you're not going to run for re-election next time. You could do things that you just believe are good for the city. The flip side is that if you're not running for re-election and you've got a ton of pet projects you want to install as your legacy, you're not running for re-election either. You can do whatever you want. Do you think it would be good or bad? There's no right and there's no wrong. And, and I don't want to sound like a politician, so I may as well tick off half of your listeners. And when they complain about what I'm going to say, I'm going to blame it, you. It's my fault again. That's yeah. okay. Uh, I'm for it. Yeah. 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 I'm for it. I, um, and I see it in my company. Uh, in my company, we just did a, a, a really big project at, at Fluke. In fact, we just acquired one of the best contracts we've ever gotten in our 140-year history, 104-year history. And I said to my team, and my team are a lot smarter than me, and that's the secret. Mm -hmm. Hire people smarter than you, but create an environment for them to succeed. So we met this new client this week, and I said to my team, well, where do you want me to meet you to go to the meeting? And they said, we don't want to meet you. We don't want you in the meeting because we're ready to handle this situation because we have a really good, my team, a combination of experience. Uh, there's no substitute for experience yes. and new blood. 
and new ideas and new technology and so on. Life is, is a circle. Life is changing. Business is complicated. And I think you need a combination uh, in, in politics of experience, new blood, new ideas, new technology, and so on. I am in municipal politics in favor of term limits. So I've said it. You know, you, you wanted a yes or a no mm-hmm. answer. And in all fairness to you, I got to give you a yes or a no answer. And I, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I generally, uh, the idea of term limits is appealing. Yeah. I don't know how exactly you would do it. I mean, I, you start getting into all kinds of weeds about, you know, do you do like midterms where half of them are elected every second year and half yeah. of the other year, whatever. Yeah. Is it two terms? Is it three terms? I don't think that stuff matters. I, I think I, that's- I don't know. I, all I know, Scott, and this is my rant, my pet peeve, being a politician today is the most difficult thing you could ever want to do. I wouldn't do it if, if you gave me an, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a million dollars a day and said you become, I wouldn't want to become a politician. And simply because it's just too difficult. You know, I used to watch American TV 10 years ago and was disgusted at partisan politics and the personal attacks that they would have on ads. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know, this would never happen in Canada. Well, here we are today. You know, remember when that car crashed in at the Niagara border mm-hmm. uh, a couple months ago? Yep. And within 15 minutes, well, first of all, the authorities, when it happened, went on the news, CHML, and said, we don't want, the police said, we don't want anybody assuming this is a terrorist attack, and we don't want anybody making a news report that this is a terrorist attack because we don't know. We don't want to upset Canadians by saying that this is a terrorist attack. And this is 20 minutes after it happened Mm -hmm. because people thought you know, this is at the border. Is this another 9-11? And the authorities were so careful, particularly on CHML News, to say, this is not, we don't want you saying this. And it wasn't 20 minutes into this, somebody in, at, the, at the federal level um, attacked our prime minister verbally, and this made me sick, and said, Mr. Prime Minister, there's a terrorist attack at the, uh, was it Niagara border? What are you going to do about it? Now, that's disgusting. That is absolutely disgusting to take a personal attack against the prime minister. And remember, full disclosure here, Scott, I'm not a member of any political party. I support good people that do good things for our country. Now, if if the right person was on that call, I would say, listen, Mr. Prime Minister, there's an incident at the Niagara border. What can we do to help mm. you? What can we do to collaborate? What can we do to encourage communication to find out what really happened? You, you know, Scott, Partisan politics is ruining our country. And I said it. It's ruining our country. The personal attacks, the personal... Well, sure, that has now spilled into just the public. It's not just... Yeah, yeah, and personal ads. And you know what? Personal attacks don't solve problems. No, and and the the real tricky part of this is that we've now reached a point where because there's so much personal stuff that even if you criticize a politician, not in a personal way, but for a decision, it's seen as a personal attack. And there is a difference between criticizing your decision or your move and you as a person. There's a way to say, Ron, I think what you did there, what you did there was really stupid. Yeah. As opposed to saying, Ron, I think you are really stupid. There is a huge difference between those two things. When I ask you to drive a fluke truck and you don't do a very good job, I'm I'm, I'm just going to say, Radley. You're terrible at driving. You're you're a terrific writer, and I really like you. You're a lousy truck driver. And that would be inevitable. And I, we got to take a break, but I will say this, and you said about politicians, uh, and, and, you know, we've, we've, talk this hour uh, largely about municipal politicians. I do believe 
that we have it backwards in this country, how we pay our politicians. Yeah. Our city councilors, whether you like them or not, should be the highest paid politicians because they do the most work. Yep. Our provincial ones do not as much work. They should be next. And our federal politicians who get the most money should be getting the least amount of money, unless you're a cabinet minister, because your t- municipal politicians, again, love them or not, think they're idiots or not, they are doing more hands-on, day after day, dealing with the po- They are doing more than any other politician. They're in the firing range. They really are. You can get them. And again, that doesn't mean we like them all. That doesn't mean we dislike them all, but they are doing the most work. I wouldn't be a municipal politician if you gave me a million dollars a day because you can't go into the grocery store without someone saying uh, something. I, I don't disagree. Or wanting something. I don't disagree. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I was on a trip one time and I have this policy when we go on vacation that I, I, I always take a few books on my Kobo, but my one yeah. rule is anything I read cannot enhance my intellect in any way. It has <laughs> to kill brain cells. It is totally just silliness or <laughs> nothing that is, I can't read war in you know, a war and peace no, or the, you no. know, the history of Napoleon or no. something. The 40 Ways of the Fox, you can't read no, that. Never. No, never. Not on vacation. No. And so I was reading Martin Short's autobiography, yeah. Great yeah. Hamiltonian. Yeah. And he's telling this story that SCTV started, basically. They, they all used to meet at this house in Toronto. And I can't remember who yeah. owned the house or who rented the house. It was one of the SCTV guys. Wow. And I'm reading this. And then I go on to Google Maps and I realized my best friend growing up in Toronto at that exact time lived directly across Avenue Road, like literally staring out his front window into the house where all the SCTVs. Crazy. And I'm thinking, I'm sure that probably we were at his house one time and yeah. John Candy and Eugene Levy yeah, and Dave Thompson, right. they all, we had no idea who they were. Wow. And they walked in and I was like, I was, I was that close. I could have, I could have been yeah. chosen to be a member of SCTV. I was yeah. like 10. Yeah. But, you know, maybe you they needed a child actor. You could be getting an Academy Award. Oh, yeah. You know, you mentioned Martin Short. Do you know Martin Short brings Tom Hanks to almost every Grey Cup? He has been to a number, I yeah, know. And, yeah, and we were out in Regina, uh, my son Ronnie, and, and, and my son Dave was the referee on the game. And this guy came up to Ronnie and he says, uh, son, what's your name? And my son said, my name's Ronnie. What's your name? <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. And we sat with each other with Mayor Bratina. At the Grey Cup, sadly. Froze uh, to death. Uh, it was yes, chilly that day. it was cold, and Hamilton didn't win. Hamilton was colder than the weather that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. However. But, well, uh, you, mentioned, you mentioned the family. You've, you've had officials in the family. You are, as I say, an official. You've been an NCAA yeah. official. Yeah. Um, I believe, if I recall correctly, it's been a few years, but I believe, did you not do Michael Jordan's first college game? Sure did. Yeah, sure there you did. go. Yeah, yeah, right. This has not been a great season in a variety of sports for officials. The NFL officials are under the gun. Uh, NBA officials are under the gun. Hockey officials are under the gun. What's going on? Is it just that we're being harder on officials or is something changing that is Uh, making things different? It's a combination of things. There's more technology than there's ever been. I mean, they've got cameras uh, what was it in the Grey Cup? They had 42 cameras. Mm. They had 42 cameras. And uh, I would, this year, had the great privilege of watching the Grey Cup in the command center. No. My son was the command center referee, Dave. Because he um, had stepped down a CFL referee yeah, a few weeks on, before. On, yeah. on the field. And um, I was working a Raptor game uh, before the Grey Cup, so I couldn't get back to Hamilton. And uh, Commissioner Ambrosi said, why don't you go up to the command center, which is uh, 15 minutes from the Scotiabank, Scotiabank Arena, and I watched it. But you know what? We are being harder. The other thing, it's about life, uh, and we were talking about politicians. Social media, mm. ooh, social media can be blistering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can sit, Scott, in your basement, in your pajamas, and put something out on social media that's 100% incorrect and have a battery of people believe you know why scott because it's in print and between all the technology and all the cameras and all the criticism and social media now this also applies 
to politics. I I have a dear friend that would be an amazing politician. It would get into it for the right reason, to do what's good for Canada. And he said to me, I'm not going to run. And I said, why are you not going to run? And he's listening to this show. He said, because somebody will go on social media and dig up something about me, mm-hmm. true or false, and people will believe it. So this also applies to officiating. Uh, when I officiated, you had to get the out-of-bounds, you had to get the shooting fouls, you had to get the block and charge, and then you got in your car or your airplane and you went home. Now it's like you're officiating with a magnifying glass. And now there's a game in Buffalo. My dearest friend is the referee this Sunday, and and I know it'll be well refereed. But he will be criticized. He will be criticized sure. by social media or something. But referees have been criticized for as long as there have been referees. No question. No in question. In every sport. That, yeah. that has been the case. The difference, I think, and maybe it's social media, maybe it's just the amount of talk but l- let's go back for a second. Use one example, yeah. and it's probably unfair to pick one, but the, right. the most talked about one in recent weeks was the Detroit Lions, the call where the referee... Now, right. it appears, and I, you know, we still don't know exactly, it appears there's at least a reasonable chance the ref made a boo-boo in that call. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right? And, we, d- and we don't know for sure, but it appears that's the case. So ha- as someone who's been on the field, as someone who's been on the court, as someone who's got family that's done this, right? there is a an argument to be made that says, look, if we're going to have instant replay for some things, right. why don't we make instant replay for everything? If getting it right is the important thing here, why not get it right? Why do we not, even if it's not that we're going to go to every play with instant replay, why not give coaches, you know, whatever number and say, here, you can use these and once they're gone, they're gone. Scott, the referees don't make the rules. The referees enforce Agreed. the rules. And uh, there's two flaws, in my opinion, in the NFL rules, not in the referees. Now, that referee, Brad Allen, he is one of the highest rated referees on the NFL staff. He is terrific. And his crew is terrific. And Sarah Thomas is on that crew, mm-hmm. first female to ever referee a Super Bowl. But what happened there... Um, and, and this would not happen in the CFL because of the rules. And I don't want to get into the rules and be mm-hmm. technical, but I will say this. In the CFL, you're only allowed, if I get this correct, to, to send in two people, two subs, to go to the referee to say, I'm an eligible receiver. In the NFL, I understand you can send in as many subs as you want to tell the referee, I'm eligible. I'm going to line up eligible. So what happened? The way I understand it, and I stand to be corrected, Detroit sent in three substitutes that can happen in the CFL to go to the referee to confuse the Dallas Cowboys. Right. Yes. And instead, they confused instead the ref. Instead, they uh, confused my good buddy, Brad Allen, and lost the game. And everybody blames Brad Allen. That's unfair, Scott. What you blame is, it's a bad rule. It's a bad rule. Well, and and again, to me, it's like baseball. I, I have yet to understand why in baseball we have instant replay. That If somebody slides into second base, yeah. we can go to replay and we can look at that. But a pitch, it, we're not allowed to no. question a pitch that could be a foot off the plate and you get called a third strike. Uh, again, to me, the idea seems to be we want to get the calls right. Well, if we want to yeah. get the calls right, why do we only want to get some of the calls right? In the yeah. CFL, you know, you, you pass interference. You can you, you can challenge it. Now, I want to talk about that. Well, can I talk? It's no, your show. It, no, no, but I, absolutely. But I, again, in the NFL, to me, if you were to say in any league, you get five challenges. Yeah. You don't lose a timeout. Five times you can ask for a replay, and then once they're gone, they're gone. Use them up how you want. Right. I just look at that and I go, well, if the uh, if the point is to get it right, right, you know, on uh, any play, and and it would and make it so there are no calls that are not reviewable. Everything is reviewable. You just talked about something, and I think this is a problem in the NFL. You can't challenge pass interference. Now, I would bet ninety-five percent of your listeners 
remember the game in New Orleans when New Orleans was playing Los Angeles and there was a obvious very pass obvious interference and missed and don't that, interpret that what New I'm Orleans saying to the Super Bowl. It, it took New Orleans out of the, out Super, of the Super Bowl, Bowl yes. and put Los Angeles yes. into the Super Bowl. Don't interpret what I'm saying that I'm being critical of the referees because they're making the call or not making the call at full speed. Yep. We're looking at it on TV. And they can be blocked. They can have their line of yeah. vision. Whatever, sure. And, and, and you, you, we're looking at it in slow motion with a high-definition camera replayed at least 14 times. So I'm not – but on that – Clear and obvious, and you know, in the in the CFL, the rule is correct. You can challenge pass interference, but to make to to recover the play, it has to be clear and obvious. So that's the problem with the rule. Now, I watch a lot of football. My favorite sport is the CFL, but I watch the NFL. I've lost count this season of the pass interference calls that have been not called, and the teams are not allowed to challenge it. So the two things, the NFL really needs to learn from the CFL that uh, two substitutes should only come in to say that I'm an eligible receiver. That's number one. Number two, in the NFL, you should learn from the CFL. Let's allow a challenge on pass interference. It seems, Please. It, it just, it seems like it if we're going to, if the whole point is to help officials, I don't understand why some calls are allowed to be challenged and some are. And I almost wonder, I don't know if you remember this, but back when you started, what was your first year refing in the NCAA? 1977, after the 76 Olympics. Okay. And how yeah. thick at that time would the rule book have been for the NCAA? It was very thin. And how was, thick would it be now? It Half an inch? Probably used as a doorstop. Oh, yeah. It's so heavy. And I just wonder if we've <laughs> act, if we've almost made the sports so complicated yes. that it's asking for this stuff now. Yes. And now throw in social media. Yeah, of course. Okay. So Scott uh, Scott Radley goes out there and makes a correct call. There'll be thousands of people on social media saying, A, Scott Radley's an idiot. Scott Radley made an incorrect call. That that would be an incorrect statement. Nevertheless, it's out there on social media, believable by a, a certain sure. landscape of an audience. Yeah. Well, and the <laughs> other thing is there was a there was a call that Connor McDavid got very upset about the other night. Yes. Which was an offside questionable call. Yes. And they looked at this for almost fifteen minutes. Right. And to me, again, it goes to what what's problem what's the problem with officiating in sports and it's not the officials per se no if you can't tell after your first two or three or four viewings it's not clear and obvious it's not clear and obvious if right. you have to look at this for 15 minutes and slow it down and zoom it in yeah and now it's maybe that that it seems as though we've kind of lost the narrative here a little bit. If you, the whole idea in the NHL, for example, with offside reviews was yeah. because there was a goal that was scored where the guy was so, it was for with Colorado. Yeah. He was so offside. <laughs> right. That he was out of the referees, out of the linesman's view. Right. He was 30 feet offside. Right. The idea was, okay, when we miss one like this. Yeah. Clear and obvious. It gives us a chance to catch it. I don't think it was ever intended to be. If you could slide a sheet of paper yeah. between onside or offside, I, I just... It, a business card. Yeah. No, no. Uh, yeah, it it yeah, seems as right. though we've made it impossible almost. It's a very complicated sport, but I will say this in the NBA, we're getting 94% of the calls correct. That's pretty good because um, that uh, the speed of the game... And the like, I and the mean, congestion on the court and everything it, yeah, else. Yeah, ninety-four percent is a pretty good number. But again, if you gave every team five reviews yep. on on anything, you yep. can review literally any, anything, any rule. Yeah, and you get to do five a game. Would yep. that drive that number up, or would that drive that number down? And set a time limit for the review. Yeah, you get one minute, and yeah. if we can't determine it in a minute, assuming yeah. the technology right. works, then sure. Because what's hurting the game is what we talked about earlier. There's so many long commercials. I mean, you know, in the NFL, if if you don't tape your game, you're going to be watching a lot of commercials in there, and you don't want to watch a 
seven-minute review. So, yeah, yeah, I like your idea. If if you were allowed five challenges, but in particular, Scott, um, pass interference. Oh, yeah, obvious. Yeah. Obvious. Okay. Would referees in any sport blanch at that? Would they say that's an insult to them that we're going to allow more reviews? We love it. Really? Yeah, we love it. And I'll tell you why. We want to go out there and get it right. We want to go out there. But and- what happens if... Getting it right means two or three times a game. You've it means it. you've missed it. Is yeah. that not embarrassing? No, that that's your motivation to get better. You know, Scott, the most important thing that we do as referees is have an excellent pregame conference and have an excellent postgame conference. You know, the first sentence that I would discuss after a game, like we would not sit down and say, didn't we do great? Let's have a Coke. Mm-hmm. The very first thing I said to my crew Every single game. Guys, what could we have done better? So if there is a controversial call that... You're wrong. That, well, whether you're wrong or not. Yeah. If there was a controversial call, a missed pass interference, and I know you do basketball, but regardless, yeah. Yeah. Uh, something happens in basketball that you're not sure. Yeah. If you go into the dressing room, is the first thing you do to grab the iPad and look to see if you missed it, or do you not want to look at it because of the chance that you might have missed it? No. The first thing we do is look at it. Really? Because we don't want to decide the game. You don't ever want to decide the game on an incorrect call, like the New Orleans Los Angeles yeah. Rams. I, I mean, um, I I missed a goaltending in triple overtime 30 years ago that decided a game. Still remember it. I have dreams about it because the last thing uh, a referee wants to get it correct. There's no good calls. There's no bad calls. There's only two types of calls, correct and incorrect, and you want to be correct. And if, you, and if you do go into the dressing room and you do realize you blew the call, what do you say to your other referees? Because they're wearing this almost as much as you are. What do you say? Anything? You go down as a crew. So, I blew it. Guys, I brought you down. And what do they say to you? Uh, let's go out there and what can we do better? You know, it's uh, we got to take a break. But one of my uh, one of my favorite things are from from this is Bob Myers, local guy, yeah. Myers Dundas. Apple Farm. Yep, yep. Uh, great NHL referee for years. He has forever worn the badge of honor or badge of shame. I'm not sure which one it is. That he was the official. He was the ref the night of the very famous Don Cherry too many men on the ice. Yes, penalty that you for used to see in coach's corner and yep. and Bob didn't make that call. That was the linesman that made that call that day. But forever, Bob was the guy, because he had to signal it, who wore it. The 1976 Grey Cup, the infamous fumble that they gave back to the Argos was not made. That call was not made. The whistle was not blown by Jake Ireland. To this day, he was the head ref. Mm. He so, was it's the crew so it's chief. on him. It's on him. But no, as a crew, you live and die as a crew. You win as a crew, you lose as a crew. And when your crewmate misses one, you feel the same pain. Mm. All right, this story, I saw this yesterday, and boy, it really caught my eye. And it seems like we have the perfect person in studio to talk about this, Ron Foxcroft. Not just the guy behind the Fox 40 whistle, but also behind Fluke Transport has a fleet of trucks that uh, are all over the place doing deliveries. Ron Hertz, the rental car firm, has announced that it is going to be selling off 20,000 electric vehicles, going back to gas because people don't like them, they don't work right, the repairs are more expensive, they run out of battery, they just went down this litany of reasons why they're getting rid of the electric vehicles that they had bought this whole fleet. Uh, Collision and damage expenses much higher. It's not exactly the same, but with all the trucks that you have, how many trucks do you have in your... Uh, we have 110 tractors and 500 trailers. So if they eventually said, if the government or whatever said, you know what, by 2030, all of your fleet has to be switched over to electric vehicles, would you be happy about that? I would say if that was you telling me that, uh, Scott, you got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. Now, you're talking to somebody that believes in climate change, believes in environmental responsibility, believes in reducing our carbon 
footprint, and I take that very, very seriously. In fact, I'm uh, a proponent of us in Canada uh, reducing the carbon footprint. However, you know there's an old saying, when something's invented, don't ever buy it in the first or second or third year. If you recall, about three years ago, the whole rage was electric cars. Mm -hmm. That's changed. That's changed. Now, we're, we're at Fluke. Full disclosure, we're doing an experiment with a major, amazing trucking manufacturer uh, that's um, beginning to manufacture electric trucks. And we're, we're part of that study because we're very responsible about the environment and reducing the carbon footprint. However, I won't name this trucking manufacturer. They're, they're major, but they told us that electric tractors for the trucking industry probably will not be perfected with the charging stations because you have to have mm. charging stations positioned in the country just like you have gas stations p- positioned around the country. Won't be for 25 years. Now, I just bought a new car, and the dealer came to me, and, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm very responsible about the carbon footprint, environmental, and, and climate change, and so on. Uh, when should I be going to a, uh, a fully electric car? And the uh, dealer said to me, and the manufacturer said to me, Ron, uh, we're not going to have this conversation until beyond 2026, but it might be closer to 2036. So uh, Hertz have a lot of cars. You know, if you want to know something about a trucking company, don't ask me. Ask the driver and ask the mechanic. If you want to know something about cars, ask somebody that owns Mm 20,000 because they own more than 20,000, Hertz and Avis and all these people. So if they're getting away from it, uh, they must know something. and, and, And you know they have results of failures well, there has to be electric there cars, which leads me because it would be hundreds of millions of dollars that this is going to cost them. A- exactly, which leads me to say something. We live in Canada. We're going to drive cars. Now, half of your audience are going to dislike me for saying that because you know. What, you think the- they all? Everyone wants to go on on public transit and everything. And we should get rid of the cars. That's yeah. what the view yeah. would be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and so I want to say clearly on this show. Blame Scott Radley. Yes, again. Uh, because he invited me to this show, yes, and you're getting eight figures to put on this show. You're a big yes, celebrity. Two of them are after so, the decimal point. Yeah. So, so <laughs> all your uh, all your listeners, when they are mad at me for yes. saying we live in Canada, we drive cars. Now, I will say, I want to compliment everybody that's doing everything to get people onto public transit because I I love. Public transit. I love the fact that we're promoting people mm-hmm. to get on public transit. Unfortunately, we're not Europe, and we're 200 years behind an infrastructure to get everybody onto public transit. So we're going to drive cars. One of the things that are really bothering me, and they should bother you, and they should bother every one of your listeners, because they're costing you a lot of money at the grocery store, gridlock. Well, yeah. Every provincial government... And I'm a supporter of people in provincial government, no matter what party. I'm not connected with any party. Everybody for the last 30 years, and I've been in trucking for 40 years, are ignoring the problem of gridlock. Gridlock is expensive. It costs us $175 an hour to sit in gridlock, and there's gridlock, Scott, going from Niagara Falls to Toronto. I don't have to tell you, uh, going to Toronto, uh, other than at 2 a.m. in the morning. And even not always then. And not always then is an absolute nightmare. Mm-hmm. So if a fluke truck is sitting uh, between Hamilton and Toronto in an hour and a half in gridlock, that's costing you at the grocery store because we're trucking groceries. Yep. So we need some smart people with two ears and one mouth and a whole lot of good ideas to solve. Let's start with the gridlock problem going from Niagara Falls. I go to work every morning at 630 and I look 
and I'm heading to Stony Creek. And I'm looking the other way where the cars and they're bumper to bumper. And they tell me they're bumper to bumper from Niagara Falls to Toronto. So uh, I, I don't want to give you the problem without giving a partial solution. Let's get... Well, before you get to the solution, okay. let me just say this. I think it's going to get much worse because I know that... Some would say, well, we're going to get rid of cars. I, I'm with no, you. I don't, I don't think we're getting rid of cars, and we're about to do some things in this city and elsewhere that is going to make traffic much more difficult. There are people within City Hall who have said the express purpose of some of the changes that are being made, converting Main Street, is to slow traffic down. There's no, it's not a secret about that. And the irony of that is that many of the, re- much of the reason or part of the reason is for environmental reasons. We want to yes. get people out of their cars. Yes. But if you now make it so nobody can move and you're just idling, yes. you're actually creating more pollution than cars that are actually traveling along, and getting from point A to point B. And add one other thing, Scott, you touched on it, the fact that electric cars have not really been perfected. There's some good electric cars out there that are working, but they have not been perfected. Leaving aside, and again, I want to get to your your, your result or your, your solution, but if you lived in Regina right now, or you lived in Edmonton right now, or Kansas City, or anywhere where this absolute cold front is moving in and it's minus 30 degrees, would you be confident driving an electric vehicle for 200 miles to get from on, on an open road? I, I wouldn't. I would be, at least with a gas car, it can still break down, but I know exactly how much gas is in the tank. I know that the cold doesn't really affect the gas level. Yeah. I would be terrified some of these places to be relying on a early version yeah. electric vehicle in those conditions. I, uh, it sounds like we're bashing electric cars not, and we're not. I want to see them perfected and I want to see them perfected, you know, quickly because it's good for the environment. And, and, well, and we've spent a hundred billion dollars in subsidies. To yeah, some of yeah, these. yeah, but it's good for the environment. Yeah. And if it's good for the environment, you sure. and I are very happy people. And so are 40 million Canadians. But the thing is, right off the bat, we need to talk with the federal, provincial, and, and uh, municipal governments about this problem we've got called gridlock, which is bad for the environment. One thing, a partial solution. I don't know what the solution is, but let's get trucks off the QE way that are not on delivery to Toronto. Mm. Okay. Where would they go? 407. Let's, let's sit down and use your leverage as a province and if a truck is going from Niagara Falls uh, through Toronto, not on delivery in Toronto, let's get them on the to 407. Bypass. Okay, the second thing, and I really feel strongly about this, cars, let's, let's uh, increase the speed limit for cars on these 400 highways to 110. Scott, when was the last time you went on the 407 highway doing 100 kilometers an hour? Every time. I am a stickler for the law. And how many people were uh, passing you? Um, well, most of them are as stickler for the law as I am, so none. <laughs> well. No, it's, I, I, your uh, point is. Scott, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you know the answer. Yep. You know the answer. Nobody drives a hundred. Nobody drives. Nobody 100. drives a hundred. Aunt yeah. Bessie right. and <laughs> right. people are honking at her to get out of the way. And yes, but nobody drives. I'm 100. not a politician. I apologize for taking an, a personal attack on you. I it, retract it. You're it, a very nice guy and a dear friend. One of Scott, the least offensive things I've ever been called. You don't r- drive on the 407 hundred kilometers an hour. Nobody, Nobody does. does. Nobody does. I drove on the 407 the other day for seven minutes at 100 kilometers an hour. Every single car yes. on the 407 passed me. Yep. So trucks, speed limit, 100 kilometers an hour. Cars, make it 110, which means you can go 120, just like they do in the United States. Now, let's get out there, too, and encourage these car and truck manufacturers to get in gear to perfect the electric vehicles because it's good for the environment. What would happen if the province or anywhere else said, um, you know, 
we can't do the 407, but we are going to, we have designated the HOV lanes. Yeah. We, in some cities have, we tried it in Hamilton, the designated bus, bus lanes. Yeah. What if on the highway we had designated truck lanes? Where now, people in the cars would probably say that's great. Would the truckers hate it because if there's a slow trucker, it slows everybody down? I don't know, Scott. I'm actually, you know what? That's a time for dialogue. Mm. That's a time to put people in the room and have dialogue. And there's a suggestion you put on the table where you're given two ears and one mouth to listen. Ron Foxcroft, who's been sitting here with me talking for the last couple hours, is working on a, um, we'll call it a passion project. It's a, it's a great one, though. Yeah. You are lobbying hard to do what? I'm lobbying hard. First, before I tell you what I'm lobbying hard on, um, I want to retract calling you an idiot. Because <laughs> it's your show. It has been stricken from the official record. Well... I, I, no, it hasn't. And I'll tell you why. You must admit to your millions of audience, you billions. said billions, yep. that you dri- you don't drive 100 kilometers an hour on the 407. Never have. Okay, good. I don't think I've ever gone that slow. I have now <laughs> retracted calling you an idiot. I don't want to sound like a politician and taking shots, personal uh, shots. All okay. good. My, um, my passion, what I'm working hard on, and I have a lot of help here. And you'll understand this. And Mayor Bertine is helping me, who was the morning person on CHML Radio. Sat in this chair for years. Getting Joe Zuger in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. If there's ever been uh, somebody deserving, as deserving as number nine, Joe Zuger, into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, this is probably, uh, sadly, the biggest... uh, Omission, the biggest misstep. This man, Joe Zuger, and full disclosure, Scott, I'm not saying this because he's a Hamilton Tiger Cat. He went to Arizona State. This guy, he was an amazing punter. He was an amazing defender. He was an amazing quarterback. He, in his first game against the Green Riders, he tossed eight touchdowns. He threw for eight touchdowns. This man was an amazing teammate. In fact, I'll tell you how amazing he is as a person. When they named the entrance to the athletic center at University of Guelph after Garney Henley, and I talk to Garney still to this day. He's a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Garney called me. He said, Fox, I want two people at that ceremony, Joe Zuger and you. Now, what does that say? Joe was Garney's teammate yep. for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Quarterback so, for the 67 team. Absolutely. Yep. Won the Grey Cup, yep. did everything. Most and, important. And remembering that many people say that 1967 Hamilton Ticats team might, it certainly was probably the greatest Ticat team ever, maybe the greatest CFL team ever. Never allowed a touchdown in the last seven league games. Yeah. Uh, that was terrific. That was, you know, the 57 team was great. By the way, I was at that Grey Cup game in 57 with my dad. 67 was great. But Joe, Joe Zuger was everything that we want our athletes to be. He was a great teammate. He made his teammates better. Mm-hmm. Then he went on. He became an executive. He became a general manager. He became a president. He did every possible thing. Thing. I think he even drew the white lines on the field at Iverwind Stadium. Joe Zuger, uh, it's, a, it's a great omission. It's nobody's fault. But how they cannot put Joe Zuger in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. Scott, we need to make that happen. And yes, it is a passion of mine. And uh, I, I want to see... That'd Joe Zuger, number nine. And if I recall correctly, and we got to go here, if okay. I recall correctly, I think the last time I heard someone ask Joe about this, he was very not really wanting to talk about it. I, I, I think he, I don't know if he's honestly a little 
sour about not being included because he should be, or if he's just not wanting to talk about it because he's in, he's modest, or if he, I mean, I don't know. Joe's but, modest. But this is a guy who, you're right, he should be, he, he should. should be in there. Now, in all fairness, um, you're, you're a great supporter of the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame. Joe Zuger, they did the right thing. He's been inducted into the Hamilton yep. Sports Hall of Fame in 2015. The other thing, Joe is a famous artist. They had I remember a, that, yes. Yeah, they had an art exhibit at our, you know, our, our art gallery here in Hamilton is world famous. And and uh, uh, Miss uh, Faulkner is, is the... Uh, Shelley Faulkner, yeah. Shelley is the uh, uh, president, CEO, executive director. She's the quarterback of our... I'm so proud of our art gallery because it's in Hamilton and it's world famous. Joe had an exhibit at the famous Hamilton Art Gallery. He's a famous, famous artist. Uh, just, you know what? A very outstanding human being. He is. An he outstanding is. human being. we got to run. And one of the very few people, by the way, to be inducted twice into the Hamilton Sports Hall of Fame because yes. he was there with the 67 team and by himself. Good point, Scott. Go. Thank you. Uh, Ron Foxcroft, thank you for coming in today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. It. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.